Before we begin today's episode, take your own narrative there and enter our grim short story competition. Go to danmurphys.com.au and enter your short story as a review of a product, then tweet us your entry at beyondzeropod or email it to us at beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. Michael and I will be reading out the 10 shortlisted entries and the winner will receive a signed copy of Grimish. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 13 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is Courtney S. Gray. Courtney is a short story writer and poet, and she joins me from her home in Bolton in the UK. Thanks so much for joining me, Courtney. Thank you for having me. I've been following your writing for a while and I love the visceral approach you take. Um, How did you find your writing style? Well, I suppose it developed over the years. It's sort of when I was a kid, I was more of a fantasy person. Um, But as I've gotten older, I'm more into, I guess, in between like magical realism and true life, but sort of the, in sort of the romance of, um, you know, the sad side, the dark side, I'm very much of a, dark person I like dark things. This week I read your short story Skin which is on a thin slice of anxiety it's a bit of a horror story could you tell us a bit more about it? Um, Well I sort of I come up with inspiration sometimes where I've got a story or I just want to write one but I can't come up with one so for the horror story I started it but it wasn't originally meant to be 5,000 words it but it just sort of ended up that way I sort of let the story take me as it goes on so I started writing it and then I think it took a week to write Um, and I knew I wanted it to be horror. It was originally for a competition that was horror, which is why I started with it, but then it just became something else entirely at the end. It is such a visceral story and you pack so much into it and there is definitely a lot of skin involved. Yeah, um, it took me ages to come up with a title for it. I just couldn't think of one. And then in the end, I just thought, well, the recurring image is about skin. So I just thought it's the only one that I could think would fit. <laughs> it's a pretty perfect title, I think, for the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that grief and pain and things like that have been a bit of a theme of your work. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, about that in your writing? Yeah, so um, last year I uh, submitted a story to, it was called Thorn Literary Magazine, and the editor-in-chief, Stuart Ansel, was uh, really enthusiastic about it, he accepted it, and we ended up forming a romantic relationship down the line, and it turned out it was long distance, and we couldn't meet because of COVID, obviously, and he uh, sadly passed away of cancer at Christmas, so we never got to meet, and that's been something I've been dealing with for a while. I'm still dealing with it. Um, so I think anything that ever happens to me just comes out in my writing anyway. So it was only natural. It was always going to be in there. I've noticed that with your writing, it's, it's very naturalistic and very true to life. And you really take on, it seems like you take on a lot of the stuff that's happening to you when you put it on the page. Yeah. Um, and it's not just me. I like, I've said this to, um, I think, my, my dad before is, I always take on, I, I observe, I'm an observant person, so I usually take on bits of other people's lives or, 
you know, what I observe, what generally is like anything that happens to me always goes in the writing. Things I've experienced in the past or things people might consider trivial or little end up somewhere in there. Um, let's go back to Stuart because I'm a bit fascinated about Stuart because he seems to have been <laughs> such a big influence. Yeah, he really was. He was, uh, well, he taught in Japan in the 90s. Uh, he taught in Greece later on. But he was very, very into philosophy, um, Japanese uh, philosophy especially. Um, but he was such a fascinating person. And I'm really lucky to have um, been, you know, been able to know him. How did you meet him? Well, I start, began, I was ill at Christmas 2019 and I got better for a bit. And then I started writing stories again. I've not write, written fiction for quite a few years. So I wrote a story uh, called Espresso Martini. And I sent, I was going through Twitter to find someone to submit. And I came across Thorn, uh, Lissway Magazine. So I decided to submit there. And the next day I got an email back from a guy called Stuart saying that it's everything they're looking for, they want to take it on. And then I didn't hear anything back. I was waiting for it to be published. Um, and then a few months later, I was in the process of moving house and he messaged me personally and we just got talking casually and I moved and then things sort of developed from there. And it wasn't until I think July or June that we sort of realised maybe this actually is some sort of, you know, romantic relationship. And so at that stage, it's all online, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And where was he living? Um, he was living in Toronto, Canada. He's a Canadian. Okay. And so with him, obviously, you were romantically involved, like online anyway. Yeah. And then for how long did it go on for? Well, we, you could say we first spoke would be, Sorry, it was submitted about March. Yeah, it was March, so nine months it was in total. But and I know it sounds like such a short amount of time to people, but we because of COVID, we spoke every single day over message. We eventually had a lot of phone calls. We ended up sending each other old-fashioned letters. I used to spray mine with perfume and um, put a wax seal on mine. Yeah. Oh, he sounds like such a beautiful person. <laughs> he really was. And so what was his background? Like, how did he end up in Japan and teaching and things like that? Um, I think he was always fascinated by it, but he he did a freelance editing. He's always done editing work. He used to work in a publishing business, not not for fiction books. I don't think it was more like general uh, work, but that's what he did in his uh, day job. Okay. But he, yeah. And so I guess with that relationship, and he's obviously... He's obviously inspired you to not only with your own writing, but to look into other people's writing. What was, guess what, what's your main takeaway from that relationship? Well, I suppose he sort of, he made me a better person, but also he introduced me to a lot of things. I've got probably like 20, 30 books that he'd sent, sent me over the time. And I think he definitely opened my eyes to a lot of different books and a lot of different things and I, I think sort of I know it sounds like cliche but at the end it sort of it makes you realize is to hold on to you know the little things and press things because you know it was nine months but in the end it felt so short because it got cut short by his death I think it just makes you appreciate things in life and definitely made me want to succeed if not for myself or for him so I've always 
envisioned that, you know, I'm going to make it to the top someday for him, if anything. Yeah. Wow. That's such an amazing story. I guess, would you go and, you know, visit places like Toronto and, and follow, you know, where he went in Japan and things like that? Well, I want to go to Japan, but as for Toronto, funnily enough, I actually have family there, so it's not exactly a strange place to me. I've been there twice now, um, but I haven't been since, obviously, um, since I met him. So it'd be nice to go back because he put a, there's a little place in the distillery district where there's like a little, uh, a load of locks that people put on for loved ones and stuff. And he put one on for us. So I'd like to go and see that, I think. At one point. That sounds really nice. I hope you get there soon. Yeah, hopefully when everything clears up. Yeah, well, hopefully it will at some point. I'm not yeah. too hopeful. <laughs> I know. It's been a strange, strange almost two years. Yeah, definitely. You've published some poetry and stuff like that, and you've self-published quite a bit of your work as well. How do you find the state of the public in- publishing industry at the moment well that's quite a good question actually well when I first self-published my first book I was the reason I self-published it was because I was I didn't want to wait I didn't want to be waiting hand on foot for someone else to say oh this we're going to publish this I wanted to do it myself I wanted it out there so it's a very it's a it's a wonderful industry but it's very cutthroat and it's very uh, elitist in some senses there's a lot of opinions that I think mar a lot of work and things don't get put out when they should do I think and it, it's a very it's, it's quite you know like acting it's very just cutthroat it's very hard to get in places so it's a lot of work what's the literary scene in Bolton like to be honest it's non-existent and <laughs> um, it's a real small town it's not it, there's not really much of a literary scene but half an hour away the city of is city of Manchester so I usually go there because there's a big art scene there a big writing scene there so that's usually where I go for that. How did you get into writing? Well it's always like a cliche when people ask me this but I've sort of just been born writing it was I was about three or four and I just picked up books and then I started writing stories and there was no one in particular that was that was an inspiration it's just kind of something I took on as if it was like a past life beforehand. It's really interesting. And so how old were you when you started writing? Probably about, I would say about five, like little stories on a page. And back then I was writing flash fiction, but I didn't know what that was until years later. But generally, um, yeah, that's probably about when I started. Okay. And so at the moment, I know you've got so many things on the go. What are you doing at the moment? Well, I've finished a collection of poetry that I'm trying to place. I've sent it to um, someone who reached out to me personally. Uh, It's called Archie, it's the working title. So I'm waiting to hear back on that, but also I'm just trying to place things in different places and sort of, you know, get into a lot of journals that I really wanted to get into. Okay, and so what's your process of writing? Like, how do you get inspired and, and what what gets you to put your thoughts down on the page? Usually it's um, probably either if I've watched a film, I usually if I can't find inspiration, I'll watch a film or read a book or I'll see something. Or usually I listen to people read poetry, so I often research um, 
Charles Bukowski and listen to him read his poetry and it sort of gets me going and thinking and then I can really write something then. Okay. And so with your work at the moment, um, you've sent it out to quite a few places. What have you got coming up that's being published? Um, God, I've got quite a lot. Um, I've got uh, poems coming out with Butslut Press. Um, I've got two poems coming out with Misery Tourism. Uh, a poem about that was inspired by Georges Bataille in the uh, expat press. Um, what else? A story in Close to the Bone that doesn't come out till next year. Um, got, I've got uh, for an anthology with Kristen Garth and Daily Drunk. Um, and a few others, I think, that are uh, either been sent out, not got a response back yet, or waiting. Oh, and I just got a photo picked up by uh, Rejection Letters. Okay. Wow. That's so much stuff to be out there in the world. <laughs> I know. It's very nice. Are you working on anything longer? Is there is there a goal for a novel? I really, you know, for years I've wanted to write a novel. Um, I took a trip to New York in 2011 and... My cousin from Australia, she's been rewriting this novel she's written for 10, 15 years now. So I was inspired to do it there. So I was writing, um, trying to write the novel on the plane. I was about 15. Um, but I just can't seem to stay with a longer story. But I'm, hopefully one day I can manage to write a novel. Sounds really good. Okay. Would you like to read some of your poetry to us? Sure. Okay. This one's called Almonds and it's a high bun. This world is a mess. It's full of self-obsessed men with their cantankerous superiority, a half-worn cigarette hanging out their mouth as they ogle the girl with the hourglass figure and the two-day mascara. They're looking for the euphoria of sex, but they don't want to know when I swing by with a bottle of cherry brandy because my fat doesn't sit right. Bigger girls are a threat to their perception of exquisite beauty. In the evening, I grab the white cloth from the bedside table and take a sleeping pill. I dream of your cycling through the rainbow kindled streets of Toronto. Sleep keeps me drawing me in, but I have to see it through. As you put your foot down on the pedal, a rope descended from the sky and wraps around your neck. When I shower, I draw the ligature mark on the glass door, steamed like a dumpling. As the moon sat like a sugared almond, we should have gotten married. My lungs are raw from the constant hyperventilating. Amnesia binds me just as guilt takes her last breath. The old polarizer still in the slots of your apartment block post office. Clouded by perfume and wax, someone will see the letter one day and they'll wonder why it was never opened. The love of my life, beloved, you were mine. Without maternal instinct, we talked about the babe we'd never have. And uh, there's one called Hollow Tanker, um, Tanker poem. My angel wings are shrinking violets with a penchant for a play desire that shadows you like an addictive hollow. Wow. Your your work is so personal. And I, I know you you're writing I saw you writing about writing about sex scenes and things like that. And yeah. how uncomfortable they make you. How do you decide which elements of your life you want to keep private and which ones you want to use in your writing? Yeah, well, generally I'm not really much for a private person. I, f- I find it difficult to be sort of standoffish about things. I think as a writer, I don't don't think you can be. I mean, there are people that won't write about certain things, and I understand that. I just think, for me, if I'm going to write, it has to be honest. I think people appreciate honesty mainly, so I think you have to be honest. 
if people don't believe it, people aren't going to like it. So with the sex scenes, I've always been sort of this way is where I'm a bit awkward and, you know, a bit just sort of childish with it. But I think once I write, I think I'm all right writing it. But I think if people I know, especially family, are reading those scenes, I get a bit awkward, but I think anyone probably would. Yeah, I can, I can feel that. I understand that completely, actually, now that you say it. It's such a, it's a hard thing to write about. And I find that sometimes writers do a terrible job with that. I think that Philip Roth is somebody who writes quite a lot about sex and, and it does make you feel self-conscious even reading it in a way. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're talking with Courtney S. Gray. Do you spend too much time on social media when you could be spending time with your family or writing that novel? Here at GetCancelled.com, we can help. We can personalise a media strategy guaranteed to get you cancelled. Use the promo code for your first month free. GetCancelled.com We're back on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Courtney S. Gray. Let's move on to some of your influences, if you're happy to. Yeah, sure. Um, For my main influence, I think the first one I could say was probably Vladimir Nabokov. Um, when I read, I read Lolita when I was 17, um, surprisingly not earlier, but it just, it wasn't exactly the gateway book, but it was more a case of, it was sort of, I want to write like this person, like the prose is just so, and I know people probably call it purple prose, but I'm really a big fan of stylistic prose and really pretty words. And I think the story, the stories that he does are very controversial, but they're very interesting because you get an insight into that kind of world which I think most people probably just turn off to or they don't want to read it but he he explains it and he sort of you know shows this darker side of life really. Such an interesting writer. Did you when you're at school did you read quite a lot? When I was in when I was in high school I saw I wrote more when I was a kid but in high school I was I was very depressed and I just didn't enjoy school. I was being bullied a lot. So it sort of, I didn't write for a long time and reading was very sparse. I'd read one book, then two, and then wouldn't read for a while and then pick them up. So it was more after high school that I really started getting back into reading again and writing as well. Okay. So what was a gateway book for you? Well, to, f- to follow on for your last question, I think the perfect one would be probably Ariel by Sylvia Plath, because it, I did one year of um, college and I did English Lit and Language. Um, and I was off one day and I was told that we were going to be studying Sylvia Plath. So I went out and bought um, Ariel and I was just really enamoured by her darkness and the, the way she describes, um, you know, depression and just these feelings that no one's ever talked about before and that I didn't feel as alone. Okay. This is a question I I feel like I should ask you as well. With pain and grief and things like that, why do you think they're so important to the creation of art? That's a good question. Um, I think think they provide a catalyst for great work and it sounds counterintuitive because you think you know and it depends because there are some types of pain where you just can't do anything and then there are some types of pain where you've got to write it all down and I think I don't know I think as humans 
we have a sort of sadistic nature in that we we like to read about pain in some ways and there's sometimes where you want to read about the happy stuff but generally i think we're very sadistic and sort of we we seek out the darkness and things i think there's going to be a lot of covid novels how has that period oh, yeah. been for you well it's one of those things because yeah it was it's severe and you know people you know it's terrible people died and it's been a really weird year but also in one respect I did meet Stuart so I, for me it was like yeah it was probably one of the worst years but also one of the best years because I met someone you know I really loved so it's odd to say that but in such a dark time <laughs> yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what people come up with yeah it's coming out of this because I think it's been inspiration for a lot of really good work and a lot of probably pretty bad work as well. Yeah. But I think it'll be very interesting to see people's, uh, people's produce from this crazy dark time. Yeah. Let's talk about what you're currently reading. Currently reading, um, I'm going through a backlog of uh, Georges Bataille's work. He's a French philosopher. So I read Story of the Eye not long ago. And I've just been doing through all of his work. Um, I'm also reading uh, Dancing to Broken Records by Jack Moody. He's a great indie writer you can find on Twitter. Um, his, his stories, his writing's brilliant. Um, I'm also looking to read American Psycho, which I've been meaning to read for a very long time. Um, and I think also I just bought The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Um, she's very polarising and I was really intrigued by... Um, the work, so I think I'm going to see what it's all about. Yeah, she's an interesting lady, Anne Rind. Yeah. So she'll, she'll intrigue you for sure. I think her views are very interesting and yeah. it'll be interesting to hear what you think once you've read it. Yeah. Okay. Have you got anything else that you're currently reading? Um, oh, yeah, I bought... Um, Letters to Sartre by Simone de Beauvoir. Um, I've always been really interested in their relationship. So she wrote, they wrote a lot of letters between them. So I think that'll be a really interesting read. And where do you get your books? Are you an online person or um, like a physical both, bookshop? I think. I, I love a physical bookshop. I could spend hours in a physical bookshop, but I think the convenience of um, online is good, especially I'm sort of an impatient person. So if I've got my eyes on a book and I don't want to wait till the weekend I just want a larger than there and get it for the next day do you, do you read on Kindle or just physical books no I read on Kindle as well um, I know a lot of people hate the Kindle but I think it's a genius idea because it, it's it's helpful when you go on holiday and you can't carry all the books you want to bring um I do love a physical book but sometimes I think if your eyes are tired at night especially the Kindle does help or if you're um you know in bed sort of like you can't really read it sort of properly yeah they do make it easy and the instant factor is pretty handy yeah with your we'll just go back to your writing for a sec with your writing process during the day how do you how do you work that into your day how do you do you write every day do you how do you do it um I try to write every day um I sort of sit down like I know I'm going to write something if it's either for my blog or for something I want to send out to people um, but generally, I do try to write every day. Some days I just don't have any inspiration, so I usually take those days to read and 
you know, soak up other literature. When you're not writing, what it, what are your pastimes? What do you like doing? Um, I'm definitely a big TV watcher. Um, I like pre- pretty much is like listening to music or watching a lot of, I'm a very visual person as well. So I definitely like watch TV, watching documentaries. I like to learn. So I do a lot of like personal research for fun <laughs> about various topics. <laughs> Have you got a few TV shows you can recommend? Oh, um, Black Mirror is a favourite. Um, I was always a big fan of BBC Sherlock when that was out. Um, a lot. I'm very much a sci-fi person, also sort of, um, but real life is in what's going to come in the future. It's interesting. I really like um, all of those Stephen Moffat shows with you know yeah. Sherlock and yeah. Jekyll as well and things like that. I think you did a really good job with those things. We'll take a quick break here and come back with Courtney's Top 10. This episode is brought to you by Thomas Hardy's Tess of the D'Urbervilles, as read by Kendrick Lamar. Tess of the D'Urbervilles, a poor woman, faithfully presented by Thomas Hardy. On an evening in the latter part of May, a middle-aged man was walking homeward from Shaston to the village of Marlott, and then you join in Vail of Blakewall, Blakewall. Get it now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time to hear Courtney's top 10. Okay, well, I think the first one has to be Lolita again, because as I said before, it's such a, it's a gateway sort of into a darker world. And I think it was really profound, the book, and it's such beautifully written. And there's a particular quote that I picked out that I think, really just encapsulates life in general, which was a human life is but a series of footnotes to a vast, obscure and finished masterpiece, which I think is just brilliant and it's also very true. It's such a good book, isn't it? I just, I yeah, love that book. Yeah, it's wonderful. Number two is uh, A Movable Feast by Hemingway. Uh, I read this recently, actually. Um, so it's a recent read, but... Um, it's just I've, I've got a very big connection to Paris and I think a lot of that's due to Stuart because when he introduced me to the philosophers, I sort of researched a lot about Paris and just seeing that sort of time period um, in a freeze frame as such in a book. And Hemingway's writing is very, it's very simple, but it's very elegant. And sort of just to, you can sort of put yourself in that um, era and it's really just a wonderful book. Have you been to some of the places that he talks about in that book? Well, I've been to Paris, but only when I was three, so I don't exactly remember it, but I'm hoping to go back eventually. Are the borders open for you to go over there? Well, it's a bit hit and miss. I think France are very secure with their borders, so it's a bit sort of they can shut down at any minute, so it's not safe to go yet, but hopefully (laughs) eventually. (laughs) Put up your plans for 2022 at least, right? Yeah. So number three is Love is a Dog from Hell by Bukowski. Now, he's, I think he was one of the first poets when I really got back into writing and poetry um, that I just really enjoyed how he's very frank and he's very plain about stuff he talks about. And I know he turns a lot of people off because he writes about women and sex and stuff like that. But I think it's very true to life because there are people out there who do talk about that stuff. 
I just think it's interesting in the way he, like you think it'd be very boring just to talk about your daily life, but he makes it in a way that's sort of romantic, but sort of, you know, elegant. He puts it together in such a, you know, unique way. Yeah, he's very interesting, isn't he? Yeah. I, I've I've struggled to read his books, I have to say. I think that that beat period, like with Kerouac and Bukowski, I just haven't been able to to engage with those books as I'd like to, but I'd yeah. like to give another try at some point. I think you should, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Age of Reason by Jean-Paul Sartre. Because, again, the, I think Stuart gifted me this book and it was sort of my introduction, I think, into existentialism. And so that's definitely one where I really got invested because I did philosophy at college, but I think Stuart was sort of the main response, you know, the main cause of me getting into it properly. With, with Sartre, how would, you, like, how would you define him as a writer? Like, I know he's responsible for a lot of modern thought. Like, what are your thoughts on him? Well, yeah, he's definitely responsible for a lot. And I think he writes he writes sort of to teach in a way. And I think, I know people have a problem with that about sort of teachy writing, but I think that's the only way you can do it is to weave sort of your philosophy within a fictional story. But I think it helps people to digest those sort of ideas rather than putting it into a non-fiction book with a load of, you know, words that you don't understand. So I think it's definitely... He's definitely responsible for a lot of the existentialism and the relationship between him, Camus and Beauvoir is really interesting because they disagreed a lot. Uh, number five is Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami. Now, Murakami is, I think, one of my favourites because I love the way he does magical realism and um, I, I love the sort of culture of Japan because Stuart used to teach in Japan in the 90s and it's just such a fascinating place, I think. And so the way he sort of weaves this, you know, narrative between real life, but you don't know if it's real or you don't know, you know, you don't know what's going on, but it's very, it's very beautiful. It's sort of like Vladimir Nabokov's writing in a way. Have you got a favourite apart from Kafka on the Shore? Well, I did start, I've not read a lot of Murakai, but I think I started, um, it was Wind Up Bird Chronicle and the first sort of chapter of that is really, he's got a way with words and even though it's translated, it's still really beautiful. So the translations are really good. Yeah, his, I really like his books. I really like quite a lot of them. And I think that the way he writes about food and about the mundane part of life as well is really interesting. But yeah. I I loved um, IQ84. I thought that was just a fantastic, fantastic book. And that's my favorite. Yeah, that's it's definitely on my list. Yeah, it's um, it's well worth it. It's it's longer than the rest, but it's it's really well worth it. Yeah. Um, I think number six will be Face of Morgana by William Kotzwinkel. Uh, this one is a bit of a sort of niche one. It's uh, about a magician in Paris and the sort of like a fortune telling machine. It's sort of like a mystery, murder mystery. Interesting. Um, Stuart gifted me this one. Um, I'd never heard of it, but I really enjoyed it. It's a real, you know, absurdist sort of mystery. Ne- number seven would be The Tunnel by Ernesto Sabato. 
um, when I first bought this, I was at the bookshop and the man served me said, you know, it's a really, really good book. It took me a while to get to it, but I eventually got to it last year. And it's a really clever um, sort of crime murder mystery. And I know people think murder mysteries are all like Ag Agatha Christie, but this one is really sort of unique in the way because it's it sort of takes you on a journey where you think you can't really trust anybody or you're not sure. You're not getting all of the story, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And there's a quote that I think really sort of encapsulates it again, which is, there are times I feel that nothing has meaning on a tiny planet that has been racing towards oblivion for millions of years. We are born with sorrow. We grow, we struggle, we grow ill, we suffer, we make others suffer, we cry out, we die. Others die and new beings are born to begin the census comedy all over again. It's a really nice passage. Yeah. It's funny with genre fiction because I think sometimes it does get a bad rap and I think sometimes people will view a mystery novel or a sci-fi novel as, as just genre fiction, but often those things are just, you know, they're as good as anything you'd find in literary fiction. Yeah, and I think that sort of says to the fact that a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions in this business and I think, I think it would be nice if people sort of just, because I think people are always saying, oh, this book's bad or, you know, I don't like this kind of genre. And for me, I just, I pretty much like every book I read, as you know, as unbelievable as that may sound. But I think you have to take away the judgment and because there's this narrative of people saying about how, well, life's too short to read books that you don't like, but I think you can find value in almost every book really you can find something that you might like in it which is why I think it's worth you know sort of going through it and just sort of seeing if you might like it in the end yeah no I agree with that I think there is value in a lot of stuff that's out there but also yeah. I think that sometimes I think you find things that really really fit with you and those are things yeah. that you value and those are things you come back to. Yeah. Um, number eight is A Spy in the House of Love by Annie Sinin. Um, I, I think that was the first one of hers I read. And it's just very, I was, I've always been fascinated by the concept of unrequited love. I've also had a lot of experience with it myself. So to see sort of it written down and sort of feeling like somebody understood was really, and the way she writes about it, it's almost like a, um, a long poem rather than a story, which I think a lot of the reviews do say, is it's very much like poetry. She wrote a lot of poetry, didn't she? Yeah, she did as well, yeah. Um, number nine would be Notes from the Underground by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Now, I've had that one on, on my shelf for a, a long, long time, but um, now I've read it, so I'm, I'm very much into the, cynicism nihilism existentialism side of things as you can probably already tell so I think it really encapsulates sort of the people where they feel the darkness inside of them but they can't really express it or people just turn off to it because I think if someone takes talks too much about darkness people just think oh you know you're miserable whatever don't want to listen to you have you read crime and punishment no actually I started that on audiobook I've been meaning to get back to that but I know that's one of his uh, major works. I, I really love Crime and Punishment. Um, yeah, it's, it's also, put it on your list, I think it's also worth a read. But yeah. Notes from the Underground, I read that, I got an edition with Notes from the Underground and the double together, and I love both of those two books. I just, 
they really take you to some dark places. And I think that um, they do also remind me a lot of Nabokov. Yeah. And I think with sort of dark fiction, I think people, I suppose, I think we try to turn away from the dark side of things, but I don't, I think if you avoid it for too long, you end up being totally consumed by it. I think you've got to sort of face, you know, the facts of it at some point. I think those kind of stories do help that as you kind of see and you think, oh yeah, you know, this kind of stuff exists and this is what I'm feeling rather than trying to avoid it. Well, it's a bit like your story, Skin, I think, the fact that somebody can be complicit in something that's, I guess, essentially accidental, but, yeah, has a very sinister side to it. Yeah, well, that's that's really what I want to play with is sort of the concept of, you know, what is innocence in that case because it was, you know, accidental, but then it's still classed as manslaughter slash murder depending on what you would get in court. So it's a very interesting concept, I think, to play with. Yeah, I, I think the idea of complicity is pretty fascinating and, and the way it plays itself out in pretty much every field that you could go into. Yeah, and the final one, number 10, is A Story of the Eye by Georges Bataille. Now, it's a recent read, but it immediately one of my favourites because it's, it's not for everyone, and I will warn people, it's very, very sadistic, so it's definitely not for everyone. and um, but the imagery in there, there's a there's an, a bit of imagery between uh, eyes and eggs, and people who've read it will understand what I mean. But he relates it uh, back to his actual life, which he explains between the story. And I think it's, it's a genius book. It's just the way he's done it and the way he's put these symbolism, you know, motifs in is really just something I've never seen before or never seen anything like quite like the way he does it. I'll have to read that. I haven't read that one yet. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy that. Before we wrap it all up, um, do you want to tell me where we can find all of your amazing work and where people can get in touch with you and things like that? Yeah, sure. So my uh, Twitter handle is uh, Courtney Writes, and the way my name spelled will be underneath the description of this episode, so you'll see. You can also find me uh, on my blog, which is www.courtneyscorner.com. Uh, and that's usually the two main places I'll be at and you can find everything you want to find about me there. I'll put links to all of your upcoming stories and things like that in the show notes as well. Yeah, so we sure. Can hopefully yeah. people can go and find those because I think your your short story writing is just, it's kind of, it takes me places in a very visceral, very quick manner that I really have enjoyed reading. Yeah, I'm very much an imagery kind of person. I've always been that way I like strong imagery it's funny with your writing because I find that that sometimes there's too many words that distract from what's happening and with your writing I think you're so direct and you're so straight to the point that you take me in that 5,000 word story that you wrote or any of your 5,000 word stories I feel like I've got I've got a mini novel out of them yeah I think that, and I think that's what I think that's probably where my strengths lie, which is why I think the novel maybe happened eventually. But I think at the minute, I think I'm more strong as a short story writer rather than a full-on novel. Well, hopefully, you'll keep doing what you're doing, and oh yeah, but I've, I've really enjoyed reading your work, and yeah, I hope everyone else will too. Yeah, hope so. All right. Well, 
I suppose we should wrap it up, shouldn't we? Yeah, probably, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me, Courtney. Oh, it's great. It's great to have been on. Thanks once again to Courtney S. Gray. You can find her website at courtneyscorner.com. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter at Beyond Zero Pod. You can email us at beyondzeropod at gmail.com. And we're now on Instagram as well at beyondzeropod. We'll catch you for your next episode next week.